All right, guys, here's what happened. God made the world. Uh, and the scriptures tell us that he made the world out of chaos. He spoke the world into a, a chaos of nothingness, and it worked. And he gave us an idyllic garden in which to live, the stories say. But even then, even in that idyllic situation, God told us that we had to tend the garden. We had a job to do. And so our ancestors uh, went to work in the garden. I'm sure it was pretty enjoyable. Uh, but eventually we rejected God's order of things, didn't we? We chose to not follow his directions. And when you don't follow God's order, it tends to create disorder. And so we sent the world back into chaos, essentially. That's what we get, did. God subsequently launched a plan of restoration. and gave us a new job at that point. Uh, gave us a couple prime commands. He said, go be fruitful and multiply. And he said, subdue the earth. Go out there and subdue the earth. Why did he say that? Well, because the earth had gone wild. The earth had become disordered and chaotic. So we had a new job, which was to go out into the world and restore order. It was the original operation, restore order. You guys don't keep up on politics? Never mind. Uh, there has always been a plan of good order and restoration in human existence. And part of that plan has always been that we humans work. We have always had a job to do from the very beginning. That's part of what it is to be human, to be God's children. We work. We have been in a series uh, called Rhythms for Grown-Ups. Uh, we've down to our last uh, week or two. Uh, we uh, began the series by embracing the idea that we can't be the same person our whole lives. That in fact, part of our calling as human beings is to grow as we live, to mature. And uh, a huge chunk of the Bible that chunk of the Bible that we typically refer to as the epistles or the collection of letters uh, from early Christian leaders, uh, those, that, that section is essentially about growing up, largely. Uh, it's about maturing. Now that we know the truth, now we've become followers of the Lord, we have to grow up. Uh, we have to mature. And one big thing about mature people is that they make and they keep routines. They make rhythms. Grown-up people can make routines and keep to routines in their lives. Routines define us in life. Routines define us like few other things. What you do routinely is largely what you're about and who you are. We talked about that, that truth, that true-ism. And then we talked about grown-up type routines that we should keep. We talked about having a, re a routine for rest, uh, which uh, is not, not as easy as it sounds. We talked about having a routine, a rhythm for prayer, uh, which is not as easy as it sounds. It, uh, it uh, provokes all manner of things in our life when we try to pray routinely. Uh, we recently talked about having a routine for taking care of yourself. That grown-ups take care of themselves. Uh, immature people get taken care of, 
and grown-ups tend to take care uh, of themselves. And today we're going to talk about how uh, grown-ups don't just take care of themselves. What do they do? They take care of others as well. That's part about becoming a grown-up. We take care of others, which is to say we do our job. We do our job. Grown-ups uh, have a job, don't they? I remember thinking that when I was a little kid. You know, what defined a grown-up? Well, they had jobs. <laughs> they, had, they had things to do. Uh, grown-ups had an agenda that uh, seemed mysterious and powerful and very grown-up-y. I remember thinking that when I was a kid. I'm not sure what they do when I'm not around them, but it seems important, is what I thought. Uh, and I try to make my kids believe that now. Um, uh, one important thing that grown-ups do is that they provide through their work, don't they? In particular, they provide for the family, they provide for the ohana, however that is defined. They provide for the community or they provide for the mission. That's part of our job as grown-ups. And I would say this to kick off our sermon today. The more grown-up you are, the more people you can provide for in general. Of course, I'm not just talking about financial provision, which is the idea that seems to dominate the world, right? I'm just talking about provision, broadly understood. The more grown-up you are, uh, the more able you are to provide for others, and, and typically the more people you're able to provide for in some manner. So let's explore that a little bit. Clearly, if you're a grown-up, then you're providing for someone in some fashion. You're providing for family or ohana or community in some fashion. And if you're not doing that, then probably that's something that you need to grow up into. Pardon all my prepositions there. We often think of it in terms of, uh, of a paycheck, but that's far too narrow. too narrow. We're making a way for others. We're sheltering others. We're tending others. We're teaching others. That's part of what being a grown-up is. In some manner, we've gone from being a consumer in life to being just a consumer to also being a provider. Follow me? Give me a finger snap if you're listening. Very beatnik. How many people are old enough to know what a beatnik is? Four. Okay, excellent. <laughs> Nobody reads the 60s poets anymore. Uh, I want to just do a sampling of different scriptures on this matter. You know, I said a huge chunk of the Bible, part that follows the Gospels, uh, has, to, has a lot to say about maturity. From Acts 20, uh, here's a couple of verses that um, were included in uh, a recent sermon. This is Paul talking to the elders of a certain church. He's talking to the most grown-up people in the church, and he's reminding them of something. He says, you yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. He's talking about his church planting team. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus, who himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Everybody knows that saying, right? It's more blessed to give than to receive. How many of you believe it? I tend to be conditional about it. It's more blessed to give than to receive, depending on, and then I fill in the blank. 
Uh, you have to work hard to take care of yourself. Paul is reminding people. That's part of what it is to be an elder. And your hard work also is a way to take care of others. That's part of being an elder. That's part of being a grown-up. He's reminding them. Because, he finishes, that brings blessing. That brings joy. That brings provision into your own life in some manner. Um, just remind them of that because uh, it's, it's possible for a grown-up to give and then to just feel given out. You're just tapped out. Anybody ever feel like that? Particularly if you're an elder, if you're someone that other people look to a lot, you ever feel like you've just, you've just given? <laughs> you done gave. Uh, and uh, Paul needs to remind uh, his, his peeps from time to time, oh, actually, that's, that's an inroad of blessing into your life. Don't forget it. Another verse that kind of drives it home from Luke chapter 6. Uh, eh, again, you know, kind of a famous uh, saying of Jesus. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For, with the measure you use it will be measured to you. If you are a generous person, you will be treated generously, at least by God. <laughs> yeah. You think that's true? The thing about these verses is like, I know them, but whenever I read them, I have to ask myself, yeah, but do I, do I think that's true? <laughs> right? How many of you think that when you give generously, then you receive generously? Because sometimes I'm tempted to think, when I give generously, I get exhausted and people kind of screw me over. Which is also true, but might not be the whole story, Jesus seems to be saying. That ultimately, that's the sort of life that will release generosity to you. Provocative, nonetheless. Anyway, these are familiar, right? We know these. There's a slightly darker expression of the same principle uh, from the authors uh, or author of the book of Hebrews. Uh, a little bit longer. I got uh, verses 1 through 12 here. Uh, and again, this is, you know, an, a leader, an early Christian leader, encouraging people in the ways of maturity and speaking of all different things that it involves. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taking forward to maturity, not laying again the foundations of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction and cleansing rites. By cleansing rites, it probably means baptisms. The laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. He says, look, you know, at a certain point, you have to grow up. You have learned all of these lessons that are basic that have to do with faith and eternity and, and repentance and getting baptized and all that stuff. That's not all there is to it. There's more than that, Paul says. And with God's help, we're going we're gonna to grow uh, on that foundation. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. That's a scary sentence with theological implications. We're not going to talk about it in great deal, but let me just say, you know, I think what Paul is saying is something like this. Look, if the truth uh, that you received, the heavenly gift that you received, the power of the Holy Spirit that you have experienced, the miracles that you have experienced, 
uh, the filling of the Holy Spirit that you have experienced, uh, the, the Bible teaching that, that you've had. Um, if you have experienced all of that, and that's still not good enough for you, then it's very hard for you to live a life of repentance. That's essentially, I think, what he's saying, you know, which, which is kind of true. At a certain point, you just have to make up your mind. I, I think what Paul is saying, and if you have trouble doing that, the problem isn't the evidence, the problem is you making up your mind. Okay, enough with that. Uh, to their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. Again, maturity is defined by not just taking in the blessings of God, but providing for others. Useful. Uh, but land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. You've got to grow, people, or you know, or you die. Grow or die. That's a little bit dark. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we're convinced of better things. In your case, I love this, the author is saying, well, yeah, that did sound kind of dark, but let me just be encouraging. I know that you guys are going to pull it off, um, the things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. God has a soft spot for folks who are trying to act like grown-ups. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end. Keep going so that uh, what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. How many of you know that being a grown-up and being a provider in life gets to be a marathon? <laughs> yeah, it has always been like this. And the authors of the book of Hebrews uh, driving that home. And anyway, you have to work hard. Everybody says so in the Bible. And part of working hard is working hard so that you can provide, so that you can give away. You can be useful for others and not just for yourself. There's a bit of an or else quality to it as, as well, isn't there? You know, like, ah, you can't stay a kid forever. If you don't grow, it means something's sick in you. You've got to be fixed. Here's an interesting question, though. What's a grown-up way of taking care of others? Because that's the general point. Yeah, we've got we to gotta be mature followers of Jesus. And being a mature follower of Jesus is always going to provide, always going to involve providing for others. But what's a grown-up way to go about doing it? This is a series called Rhythms or Routines for, for Grown-Ups. So perhaps you anticipate my answer. If you want to provide for others, do it routinely. Otherwise, you're not a grown-up. Do it in a regular, rhythmic sort of way. Otherwise, you won't be very mature about it. Um, there's a difference between someone who shows up for a canned food drive at Christmas and someone who actually, say, you know, adopts a poor, deprived family in their life and lives with them throughout the year and helps care for them. Which is the more mature? Well, the latter, obviously. Uh, because in the latter case, you're doing it regularly. You're doing it in a routine way. That way is going to make you grow up in a way that a once-a-year canned food drive is not, right? That much is, is obvious. 
routine, rhythm, regularity. We've said it before. These make you who you are. It's what you're routine about. It's what you're regular about that causes you to grow up and really defines and empowers you as a person. Another big element, I think, in, in being a provider, uh, doing grown-up sorts of caring, is that um, you don't go about providing only the things you want to provide, do you? You have to provide what's needed. That's part of being grown-up, right? You don't walk into a crisis situation and, and say, well, here's what I like to give. No, if you are grown-up, if you own the family, if you're really an elder in the community, then you have to figure out what's needed and you have to figure out a regular way of providing it. That's what we do. Uh, you figure out how to provide because providing is a grown-up job. Personally, uh, I struggle with being a provider in, in a lot of ways, which is to say I do it unevenly. I mean, some things I do really well, other things I don't do very well. Um, and uh, I think that is probably true for the majority of, of us. Um, you might have realized about this, uh, you might have realized this about yourself if, say, you're a parent. There are some things that are easier for you to provide to your children, and there are some things that require a lot of patience, hard work, and grinded outedness. Can I get an amen? Thank you. As being a parent is one of those things that drives this point home, second only to being a spouse, I think. Um, you know, truthfully, because, you know, family stuff uh, is where a lot of this gets, gets worked out. Uh, I need to provide for my children. I need to provide materially. I need to provide for them emotionally. I need to provide for them spiritually. Um, part of that I'm good at, part of it I'm not. I'm not very good at providing for my kids or really anybody in my family, my wife, emotionally. Uh, you may have noticed this about me. Emotionally, I'm a little bit introverted. No! <laughs> Definitely not. You are expressive ebullient. Okay. You have proven my point. Um, and, uh, you know, part of that uh, goes just to my personality. Uh, part of it just goes to my, you know, my, my lifestyle. I am in a position in life in which I'm expected to provide a lot of things to a lot of people all the time. Uh, so I am prone to getting exhausted and tapped out. No. Yes. It actually happens to me. Um, and, uh, you know, part of it has to do with, you know, my background, right? Uh, sometimes we have, uh, you know, helpful experiences. Uh, sometimes we have unhelpful experiences that condition us. Uh, and, you know, I'm conditioned uh, by that. Um, but in this, even in my own limitations, I, I again find that routine is key particularly for a limited guy like me. Um, you have to develop uh, a routine of providing even for those closest to you. Right? Um, even though I don't always do a good job of, say, providing for my intimate family uh, emotionally, if I do it regularly, then I get the job done. Does that make sense? Even though I don't do a very good job at it, 
if I do it routinely and regularly, I still manage somehow to get the job done. We will leave aside for a moment whether I do it regularly and routinely, but I have learned that that's a really powerful way to go about it, even for those of us uh, who are limited. Point made? Do it routinely, and it will solve the choke points. It will solve uh, the bottlenecks for you. Why wouldn't you provide routinely? Why wouldn't you take care of people regularly? Well, because it's often not fun. No, no, truly, it's often not fun. You're not gasping nearly enough uh, in this sermon. Um, you don't believe. I mean, experientially, it's hard for you to believe that you actually receive when you give. You know, that's challenging to believe, which is why Jesus had to remind us uh, of it. Um, um, and if that's your case, then that's, that's an issue between you and God. You know, if you're like, if I give, I will run out. Well, that's a point of spiritual maturity for you. That's something that you're going to have to take with the Lord, take to the Lord. That's something that you're going to have to address with your spiritual advisors, your spiritual formers, whoever they may happen to be. I'll just leave that there for a second. Another thing that gets in the way of providing routinely to people is, is that you're tapped out. You're just exhausted. Uh, you're, you're not resting, you're not uh, receiving. Um, and we've already talked about rest earlier in this sermon series. Uh, you may want to go listen to that sermon if you missed it. If you missed it, one thing I will add to that is that you have to figure out how to move in your gifts in order to be energized. Um, I will say a bit about spiritual gifts in just a few minutes, um, but let me just pick your interest with this statement. Your spiritual gifts don't determine determine what you give. Your spiritual gifts determine how you go about giving it. Everybody has something that will help them out no matter what is required in provision, okay? I'll explain that uh, a little bit later. But there are techniques and routines that you can use even if you feel tapped out, even if you feel like you just can't provide for anyone else. You just can't take care of uh, another person. Uh, and a third thing uh, that might prevent you uh, from providing and taking care of others routinely is that you've tried, but it hasn't worked. You know, you, <laughs> you're trying, but it just doesn't feel like it's firing. And if that's the case uh, that you're in, then I would suggest you uh, meditation on, say, scriptures like Hebrews 6, which we just read uh, a few minutes ago. Uh, the author of Hebrews reminds his or her people, God is not unjust. If you stick with it, it, it will work out eventually. But be aware you may have to stick with it, right? If at first you don't succeed, try again. The most important word in the English language is try. The most important sentence is try again. And those, those words typically define our, our faith uh, in the world. Well, here, here are, are some routines that you might develop for for providing regularly uh, for those uh, for whom you should uh, provide. And, and when I say the routines, uh, really what I'm going to suggest to you is just types of routines, ways for you to think about this to help you grow up as a provider. Okay? Spheres, it's sort of like spheres of influence this morning. Uh, I want to suggest to you that you think of providing for three groups of people. Your family, 
your faith community, your spiritual family, your church family, and then your village, which is the world, the community uh, of people that just happen to inhabit the earth uh, around you. Uh, you have to develop some sort of routine for providing spiritually, emotionally, you know, and perhaps materially for your family. Now, when I say family, you're going to hear it one of two different ways. If you are married and if you have children, you will think about your spouse and your kids. Uh, if you are not married, you might think about your family of origin is the phrase we sometimes use, or, you know, generations above you or you know, people, peers uh, around you. Either is fine uh, because, you know, family is, is a blessed thing. Biological family is a blessed thing, and scriptures make clear, there are lots of them, that if we don't care for our family routinely, then we have really missed the point of the gospel, right? They're, they're given to us uh, for a reason. And, and here's, here's a routine that you might use for caring for your family. Set dates. If you're married, you are familiar with the term date night. Are you not? How many love date nights? For how many are date nights dangerous? It is a phrase fraught with peril. It is also resplendent with blessing. Let me just confess in front of my church family that I suck at date nights. Thank you. Thank you. Hard to believe, but it's true. I kind of suck at scheduling them, and then I kind of suck at doing them when I, when I manage to get them scheduled. Uh, so, uh, because I'm poor at them, I realize how powerful they are. Like, uh, you know, I, I have learned through weakness uh, on this one. But you can have date nights or, or date days or something like that with anybody in your family. Your spouse uh, is a good example. You know, but consider you know, date, dates with your parents. You know, dates with other... <laughs> just, I was just freaking out right now. No, seriously, son. <laughs> Set a date with mom. It won't kill you. <laughs> so, we'll talk later, buddy. That was not the point in the sermon in which you were supposed to gasp. <laughs> uh, I have just found this really powerful that if I need to care for, if I'm going to care for someone routinely, regularly, and effectively, I need to have it in the calendar routinely. That's just, that's just the way I work. Is it just me? And if you don't stick it in the calendar regularly, does it happen? Make dates. Make appointments. Freebie, in parentheses, I find this with God as well. You know, if I'm going to have time with God, I need to put it in my appointment calendar. Otherwise, it doesn't get done. End parentheses. Uh, I think it's just a general rule uh, of life. Uh, so there you go. Um, and final caveat for you married people, just because I have talked about date nights this morning does not mean that you need to argue about it this afternoon. For the next 48 hours, I declare a date night argument free zone at Blue Water Mission. <laughs> Be blessed, my fellow travelers. Be blessed. Um, and secondly, I want to uh, suggest that in routine ways you provide for your church, as Scripture often reminds us. 
You know, Paul is forever saying to his elders, you know, care for others, especially the family of God, especially uh, the community of faith. Uh, you know, you can give that, you can do that by giving. We talked about uh, ways that we give away money as a body. We're going to receive, you know, donor statements from Troy this morning. Some of you, you have supported uh, materially. Where your dollars go, there your heart is, uh, to paraphrase Jesus in a really bad way. Um, that's just uh, sort of a fact of life. So, you know, giving routinely, and we don't measure that, you know, I got, I got no rules about that, but something that you want to do, support uh, your, your faith ohana materially, but of course also by serving, because provision isn't just financial, it's tending, it's sharing uh, your, your life, it's, it's serving in all sorts of practical ways. Your church is your spiritual family, and you neglect it at your peril. Uh, the measure you use is the measure that will be given to you. It's just sort of a supernatural dynamic in the universe. And um, if you're coming to church and, and only consuming, then you're not going to be able to consume much. That's how it works. If you come to church and you also kind of provide for the body uh, generally, then you'll be able to consume more freely. Freely you've received, freely give. Freely you've given, freely you will receive. It's just kind of how the kingdom of God works. Uh, I don't say that to guilt you into joining one of the service teams or one of the ministries that, uh, you know, or, you know, lead an Ohana group or anything like that. I, I'm just saying from experience that if you don't provide, it's very difficult for you to receive well. It's also, you know, ultimately difficult for us to run this thing well. Um, but... That's just a particular case in point. Uh, finally, you have to provide for your village. A really grown-up person is mature enough to embrace the other people that walk into his or her life and to provide for people in some way. In the kingdom of God, whatever you have is always enough. When Jesus was faced with a crowd of thousands to feed and had no food, he took five loaves and two fish and was able to provide for anyone. His sense was, whoever around me, I provide for. Period. Or exclamation point depending on your attitude. Um, and here I want to just end with, uh, you know, that, that uh, comment about spiritual gifting that I mentioned. And hopefully this is a bit encouraging. The last scripture on your program is from 1 Corinthians 12. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Another way to translate that is, now to each one, the gift or the tool of the Spirit is given for the common word. In Greek, it's now to each one, charismata has been given. A supernaturalism has been given to every person so that they can contribute to taking care of the community. It is, is, is what it says. Each of you has something unique to bring. And I believe this to the bottom of my toes. And I think that really my chief job as leader of Blue Water Mission is to find out what the Lord has equipped you uniquely with and then to get it out of you. That's going to bless you. That's going to bless us. And that's how we bless the world, to get you moving in what you're good at, what you're particularly supernaturally empowered in. Again, forgive all the preposition errors. But you get my point, right? You each have something. And Blue Water Mission is a great community in which to explore that. In fact, it's the best community I've ever been a part of for exploring those things. Get moving and your gifts will become clear. Get serving and your gifts will become clear. The more you try, the more you'll be able to do.
It's just how it works uh, in the kingdom of God. If you have no idea what you have to bring, it's very difficult to be a grown-up. You conceive of yourself as a juvenile then. But if you have some concept of what you have to bring, you're on your way. So, figure it out. Have the prophets pray for you. Or simply get moving. Let's pray. I pray uh, for a blessing uh, this morning, Lord, the blessing of, of, uh, of faith uh, to, uh, to conceive of blessing. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Uh, with the measure we use to provide, it will be provided to us. Is that really true, Lord? I mean, is that how life works, really? That would help us behave like grown-ups, I think. I pray for that particular faith that empowers us to be ruthless providers, reckless providers. And Father, I pray for a little supernatural ministry from your Holy Spirit this morning. Uh, for those of us who uh, have been scarred by not being well provided for, uh, by certain caretakers in our life. I pray that you would come and do some healing for those of us who are struggling a bit with that uh, orphan spirit. For those of us who are hampered uh, with a sense of being uh, cast aside or unwanted in life. I know that makes it very hard to conceive of ourselves as providers. So I just pray for some healing this morning. Even if your grown-ups didn't take very good care of you, you know what? You can still grow up. And all the rules still apply. God is not unjust. You'll have to work hard, but you'll make it. Even if you feel like you haven't received much, you will discover that you truly have plenty to give when it comes to it. It all still applies. And some of you may feel a stirring in your heart or even a, a physical stirring in your bodies uh, as, I, uh, as I pray about this stuff. And I just want to really uh, encourage you to go receive some prayer on the ministry line this morning. And let... let uh, your heavenly Father and the gracious Holy Spirit uh, just bless you before you go. Freely receive. In Jesus' name we pray.